Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to Find Your Freedom, the best entrepreneurship podcast. We got a special bonus episode for you today. I appeared on the OG pod with Caleb Ogden, and it was an awesome experience. I highly recommend you check out the OG pod, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, it's everywhere. We talked about everything from AI, VC startups, FinTech, all the way across the board to exercise, my life, his life, living in Austin, living in Texas, everything. It was super interesting. Bonus material, we're dropping it right now. Have a great day. What inspired you to start Find Your Freedom? Yeah, so really I kind of stumbled into being an entrepreneur because I knew what I wanted my life to look like and I had never really thought about designing my professional life to fit my personal life. It always been kind of the opposite. I needed to design my life to meet my priorities. So that's when I started Serenity Hotel Group. I don't want to be the GM anymore. I'm going to have my own hotel management company. I'm going to manage them. I'll have multiple properties and I'll work around my family schedule, around what I want my life to look like. Everyone has a different path to finding their own freedom. I always would front load. Work as hard as you can, learn as much as you can, become really good at something that you're passionate about, and that can unlock a lot of doors for you. How can we provide better value and keep growing this? I don't wanna just put content out there. I want content to be out there that people will watch me like, this is applicable and digestible. It can improve my life. I want every episode to be like, oh, that's like a gem. Welcome everyone to the OG pod. Today I have my friend, Jonathan Steers, who is a multi-time entrepreneur, founder of multiple companies and the president of Better Together International, a nonprofit that uh, supports children in Haiti. Welcome, John. Thanks so much, man. I'm super excited to be on. I've been uh, following your progress and what you've done with the originals is pretty badass. So I'm stoked to be part of it. Well, I'm really excited about this new world of podcasting. Um, what inspired you to start Find Your Freedom? Um, so uh, so, I, uh, so I'm a multi kind of a serial entrepreneur. I kind of stumbled into becoming an entrepreneur. I was super corporate the whole first half of my professional career. And um, kind of what got me into being an entrepreneur was I wanted to have kids and spend time with my children. So um, I couldn't do that in the old profession, which was being a hotel manager. I'd be working, you know, 12 hours a day. And um, at the time that I kind of had this realization, I was living in Turks and Caicos. And I was like, I want to have kids. I want to spend time with my kids. And this is not aligning with what my goals are for my, the rest of my life. Um, so I was like, I got to figure out a way to start my own thing and have more freedom. Was so, this Serenity Hotels, which you still um, have an affiliation with, right? Yeah. So this is like right before Serenity Hotels. So I started my career in hotel management. I went to Long Beach State, worked at hotels, and then I travel around opening hotels for Starwood. So we're like Weston and W, St. Regis. I'd go to Lake Chicago and open a, a W there. And then I'd stay there for two months, train the staff, open it, party with the staff, and then go to the next city, go to New York and open a hotel there. And through my affiliation with Starwood, which is now Marriott, um, one of the VPs was leaving and joining his own hotel management company um, called Nikki Beach that was in Turks and Caicos. And he asked if I wanted to come out to help him open that hotel. So I left Starwood, moved to Turks and Caicos, left my family in California and lived there for two years, basically working all day, every day. <laughs> so Can you say that again? Brutal. What is it called? Turks and Caicos? Turks, what is that? Yeah, and where Turks is it? and Caicos. So it's the... Uh, it's kind of the, the ritzy, super expensive, uh, rich person island right um, above Dominican Republic and um, Below Haiti. Below Epstein's Island. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's right, 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 right next to the Bahamas. Um, but it's a super small oh, nice. island. It's a desert island. And it's got the most beautiful beaches of anywhere that I've ever been. Like just the bluest water, white sand beach. Um, what it's kind of famous for is Grace Bay Beach as oh. this like nine mile beach, which is just unbelievable. But it's a desert island and it's a super small country. So living there was not optimal. It's a great place to probably visit and, uh, <laughs> and to party at um, and relax at. But living there was pretty brutal. So I was just working all the time there. And that was, that was where I learned so much because I was 27 when I went there. I was the director of guest services. The GM got fired. I kind of just like filled the role and ended up taking on the role as GM. So I was running this high-end luxury resort at 27, 28 and, um, failing pretty miserably, you know, trying my hardest, but I was in over my head and, um, 
you know, I had a great team around me and we were all pretty inexperienced in opening an international hotel. It's so different than like Marriott because the Marriott knew what they were doing <laughs> and Nikki Beach was just opening their first hotel. So it was just like a totally different anyway. So, well, you must so have learned like, something to still have Serenity hotels, you know, up and yeah. running. Well, that's, that was the reason I was able to do Serenity hotels. Like I learned so much like the hotels itself became a, a failure because the ownership um, went into receivership. And so they kind of lost the property. So that was why we ended up leaving there. But really it was like, it was like my master's degree in building a culture within people um, with your team and creating programs and like starting from scratch and like this brand new, huge business, hundreds of employees. And I was in charge of organizing all of it. And I just had this team around. We just became a family. We we're all like, all of us are in over our heads. All of us are just going to try our hardest. And it like really was like my master's degree in like marketing and operations and inventorying and <laughs> yeah, everything. I love that um, perspective that you can really get an education just by doing things. You right. know, you can spend 250 grand going to like an Ivy League school. And I, I think you get like a network from that and maybe some like um, some kind of like intangible connections or benefits but you learn so much by just being by doing things and Absolutely. i think that's really the spirit of an entrepreneur and and so you have like been able to tackle many different types of businesses uh hotels nonprofits um this podcast supergenics which is like a supplement company what is the common thread that you have found across all of these businesses that you have that has made you successful um, well, I wouldn't say I've been successful <laughs> at all of them. We've had some failures along the way, but, um, um, I guess that's part of the process, they're right? Yeah. They're yeah, necessary, yeah. That's right. part of the totally. process. Um, so, uh, yeah, so really I kind of stumbled into being an entrepreneur because when I came back from Turks and Caicos, I knew what I wanted my life to look like. And I had never really thought about designing my professional life to fit my personal life. It always been kind of the opposite, like work as hard as you can. Mm -hmm get a promotion, get your 5% raise. Eventually you'll make enough money to hopefully support a family. And hopefully eventually you'll have less hour, work less hours. And that was kind of where I was, my mindset was during like my whole early twenties, right out of college. But when I went through that Turks and Caicos process, it was just like, Oh man, this is not how I want to be. I needed to design my life, how I want to to, to meet my priorities. So that's when I started running a hotel group. So that was it. Like, I don't want to be the GM anymore. I'm going to have my own hotel management company. I'm going to manage the GMs. The GMs can work the hours. I'm going to manage them. I'll have multiple properties and I'll work around my family schedule, around what I want my life to look like. So like that that's was once really again. Intentional approach to um, your lifestyle. I think one of the things that any entrepreneur is going to struggle with is finding the balance between all of the work that they have to do, all of the roles and responsibilities that they have to perform, and having a lifestyle that they desire. Right. So, how have you struck that balance? And after that, I'll try to remember. I really want to know what that what this lifestyle that you had in mind was. Um, so, yeah, the balance I think really comes. Um, you know, everyone has a different path. I definitely feel that way to finding their own freedom. And, um, mine was really, um, I always would front load. So it's just like work as hard as you can learn as much as you can try and become an expert, become really good at something that you're passionate about. And that can unlock like a lot of doors for you. So I don't know if I had, I, I obviously don't think I had that wisdom back then, but I was like, I'm going to work hard. I'm just going to keep trying at what I think I'm really good at, which I was really good at running hotels. So I came back from Turks and Caicos and I just started driving up and down the California coast. I get on PCH every morning, wake up and just drive up and down the coast, like knocking on doors. Like, will you trust me to manage your property? I'm 28 years old. <laughs> I just got back from Turks and Caicos and it was, um, you know, it really but was you like, had some um, accolades under your belt at that point. Yeah. You, know, already, like you, had um, some, you had some cred, uh, credibility. Yeah, but still 28 was a little, a little rough because you're dealing with mostly 60 year old, you know, mostly older people own hotels, not a lot of young people in hotels. Sure. Right. And, right. um, and so I partnered with my business partner who was the one who first hired me at the front desk in college. He was running a hotel. He had a, he had a small property. So I was like, let's just use this property. Let's try and grow it. Um, and it didn't go as planned. Like, uh, over a year I drove up and down the coast. Try, trying to convince people every morning, getting no's, getting no callbacks, following up with people. And it was 
brutal. Um, and that's that was kind of my hurt. And too, that, yeah, it cold hurts more if you're spending gas money. Cold, do- cold doors hurt. Yeah, <laughs> cold those doors are, hurt. Those hurt too. So it was like uh, you know people just wouldn't even want to like come out and talk to me. I'd be at the hotel. I know that they were there, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, he's not going to come out and talk to you." I'm just like, "All right, well, I'll be here when he walks out." But, but you, <laughs> so we eventually found so much success uh, since then. Like it sounds like you didn't let that discourage you or you know take you off a path that you yeah. were. I mean, I think on. you can't, yeah, I think to be like totally real, you, you can't help to be, but to be discouraged in the moment, in the moment, sure. it's super disheartening. Um, but, but, but you just can't let it stop you from waking up the next day and doing it. So I did that for over a year. I think it was actually over a year and a half. And, um, we got a couple of consulting gigs that we were hoping were going to lead to, to contracts. And that's when I got the opportunity, you know, what we were talking about work real hard, be real good at what you're doing. And then opportunities will come. And one of my friends had just started a dietary supplement company. And he said, Jonathan, uh, he had just moved back from Utah. We were working at the gym together. He's like, yeah, man, it's going pretty good. Like we're getting a lot of sales online. Um, but like, we don't really know how to grow it. So, so I looked at his books and I said like, oh, like here's a few things I would do. Here's like the low hanging fruit from my experience in marketing and operations. Here's what I think you guys should do. Cause they didn't really have any operations in business. They were just really smart guys. And, um, he's like, yeah, we don't really know how to do that. <laughs> um, why don't you come on board as a partner and just help the, do those things? So I hadn't, um, had much progress with the hotel company. So my business partner, you know, I said, can you, can you manage what we have? And he's like, happy to do that. He's much smarter than I also. And so I just like went full bore on this dietary supplement thing. <laughs> and it's so crazy. Like, um, you know, dietary supplements that has nothing to do with hotels, but right. it's just one of those things. Business is business. You know, it's just like yes. all the things you've done. Like you've started all these different companies. It's just like programming is program. You can do it for all types of different things. And it's just like, all right, operations, like I need to hire a staff. So we built a call, built out a call center. We need to do fulfillment. So we built out a warehouse. It's just like, these are things that were like almost exactly the same as a hotel. It just doesn't seem like it. Customer service. All right. Yeah. We got to do sales front desk sales at a hotel. So it was all like same exact stuff. And then marketing wise, it was just like really like kind of common sense stuff. Like, all right, well, what are our options? Radio, TV, um, you know, social media was pretty early back then. And I was like, what's the biggest thing we can do? Let's see how big this market really is. Let's make a TV commercial. We have a product. I see direct to consumer products all the time on TV. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, wow. We're like, yeah, I mean, you see t- TV commercials, like, you know, 1-800-CALL. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, I think this product works like that. And it's cool because the people I'd partnered with, it was a really good product that had been proven. We did a clinical trial on it, like full pharmaceutical-grade clinical trial. It's just like, this is legitimate product. Let's see how big this market is. And they, they kind of looked at me like you just looked, like a TV commercial for like a yeah. weight gain pill. Like, and we, so, so we just, you know, I Googled it and put together a little plan we, interviewed some companies and just like, you just find people who are experts and you align yourself with their, with them, made a TV commercial, threw it up pretty quickly. It was like a minimal capital expense and boom. Yeah. It, how like, much was it? If you don't mind me showed. asking, like, I think the first commercial we put everything that. together for like 30 K it was 30K, like a lot okay. of money, but not a ton of money for like what the upside was if it showed progress. And so we kind of weighed Did you have risks. any way to estimate performance or like, or yeah, were you well, just like, oh, we're going to take this risk. If we take a 30 K hit, we'll just, you know, take that setback. Yeah. So we, well, we knew what our conversion was from online. We were really lucky because one of the other partners, you know, like I'd said, you kind of align yourself with other experts in their field. So our mutual friend, Tyler is an incredible programmer who had built this proprietary software just for our product. So it was all inclusive. He'd started from bare minimum to build up everything that we needed. So he was able to provide us with Twilio and like an automatic call center and all this oh, stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, we actually have other companies that were coming to us. We actually created a software company just for that product because we had other companies coming to us be like, what do you guys use? And we'd show them and they'd be like, this is better than what I'm paying this huge other <laughs> software company. This is way better. And he's just Tyler is really, really good at what he does. Um, I mean, so we were yeah, lucky. We had all genius. these different metrics that we could, that we could utilize. And, um, we knew like if, uh, with the media company we worked with, they're like, you should be able to get this many views, this much traffic. If you're getting this conversion off of those, then you can estimate that you'll get this return. And we thought that there was a high likelihood we would at least break even 
just based on our good conversion from the site and all those things. Um, so we, yeah, so it, it showed exactly what we want. Like we made a profit on the first commercial and that was like a really poor representation of what it could be. Um, so from there we created a real more professional looking commercial. You know, it's one of those things. And that's the recommendation I have for all entrepreneurs. Like you just got to try it out, like find an affordable way to test the market. You got to test your ideas. Like don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket and put all this money invested into it and then just like run with it without ever knowing if it's going to take off. Like so many people just have one big home run and they strike out and it's so sad. So this was really like our, like, let's just, you know, do like a sacrifice bunt and see if we can get to first. And we got to first and then we were able to, you know, steal a couple bases. And yeah, so we've been on TV for 10 years now. It's like a cool, a really cool story. So, so the company Supergenics TV one weekend has been around for 12 years now. Last year was the 10th year I was on board. And we were in Vegas, me and the two partners were eating, having dinner, eat, having some drinks in the bar in Vegas. And Travis, one of the partners, pokes Tyler and says, look at the TV. I turn around and there's our TV commercial, CB One Way Gainer on ESPN in the bar in Vegas. And it oh, was yeah, just man. like, yeah, it was like, it was a super badass thing because we were there for our 10 year anniversary. And, um, it just like felt like one of those moments where it's like, yeah, we made it mom. Like we made it. We're on ESPN. Um, yeah, so it was, it was super, super cool. But you know, one of those things where those, there's, there's so many lessons that come through that. And in those lessons, you're always iterating. I think that's one of the things that if you look at any entrepreneur and you're a great example of this, but also any business, they have to pivot so many times to, uh, before they find their product market fit and, get adoption and get everything up and running. Um, it just takes this constant grind of trying things out, seeing what works, you know, uh, and, and, and not quitting. I think it's a big part of being an entrepreneur. And I think that the same attitude of an entrepreneur is that of, it's hard to say, like it's an archetype of a person, like maybe, um, an athlete or an entrepreneur or, an artist, they're all grinding on something and they all share that same, um, requirement to never stop and just keep trying to find the product market fit. Absolutely. Yeah. So So we see that resilience is like like huge. Resilience is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So like a pretty um, consistent theme. Yeah. Yeah. So what takes the majority of your attention these days? Like, what are you focused on? You have so, with all so, these businesses. Yeah, so I'm really fortunate. You know, once, once you, so that, you know, so that's what our podcast is called. It's called Find Your Freedom. So once you're able to sort of create that lifestyle that you want, where you kind of don't bottleneck yourself in the day-to-day business operations, then you're able to free yourself up for like more of the passions in your life. So, um, so in my early 30s, I wanted to have children and I was lucky enough to mostly take off Um, so my goal is just before they're in school, I want to spend as much time with my kids as possible. So for the last five years, I've mostly just spent a lot of time with my, with my two daughters. Um, my oldest just started kindergarten and my youngest is in preschool now. And, um, and yeah, and it's just been like the, probably the biggest gift I could have given myself to have that opportunity. Cause everyone always tells me you never get those years back. Once they start school, then you can, you know, go do whatever, but they're only home with you before school for such a minute amount of time. So I did that for, um, for the last five years. And one of my other passions, we started, um, our nonprofit, which is called better together, um, international. Um, when I lived in Turks and Caicos, half my staff was Haitian. And so I was really interested. I hadn't known much about Haiti. So I went and visited the country and stayed with some of the friends there and some of my staff. And I fell in love with the country and the, the history is just like mind blowing. Like, did you know that Haiti is the first country to defeat Napoleon? Oh yeah. It was the first defeat Napoleon had because it was a French province and Haiti fought for them for their independence. Basically the the slaves and the local um, people there fought the French colonizers for their independence and beat Napoleon and gained their own independence. It was the first defeat for Napoleon. But it was also, you know, it was such a significant thing for that. But then France has been punishing the country since then for that defeat. So since Isn't they that lost. like 100, 200 years ago? Like... Yeah. Well, that's why it's in such bad shape right now. Because of the historical significance of France saying, 
all right, all the people that we're aligned with, you guys can't do business with Haiti now because they beat us and now they're independent. And it's just, you know, just like been this cycle of like, they can't get trade partners, they can't get, um, um, any, you know, in and out domestic travel. It's, it's been like a really huge challenge for them. So the country is like the, it, literally the poorest country in the Western hemisphere. So anywhere wow. North South America, it's the most impoverished country. Um, so they have a lot of needs. It's so interesting we, we, that your experience led you there, though, just like through almost happenstance of getting into hotels right. and then you learn more about that culture. And now that's part of your culture and your work and your efforts. Yeah. And, you know, all of this stuff is such an evolution. It's crazy. And, and, and it's such a huge part of my life now because um, in the last in the last um, eight years or so, I've, I've practiced stoicism parts of stoicism, which like every morning I wake up and I try and think about how fortunate my life is to put like myself in a, in the right perspective. And I think about those children in Haiti that are born into these situations that they have no control over. And it kind of makes you think about how fortunate we are to be born into the situation we were born into just being in America. Number one, like <laughs> how fortunate are we to live in a country Absolutely. that has so much wealth and opportunity Freedom. and, 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 and we had no control over that. That's just luck, right? That we were born here. We yeah, could have been born, totally. any, you know, we, people are born yeah. anyway. In Haiti. Um, so, yeah. So, so, so that kind of helps give you perspective when you go throughout your day and like bad shit happens. You're like, oh, well, that was really bad shit. But um, I have like so much to be thankful for. And I think that kind of stoicism perspective, thinking through those things, thinking through like how fortunate I am that my children are healthy. You know, one of the things that I went through when my first daughter was young, I had to go to Chalk, the children's hospital nearby. And like, you'd look around and be like, man, there's so many sick kids here. This is so fucked up. And it's just yeah. like, man, we're so lucky. We're so fortunate. Our, you know, people deal with such huge challenges. Well, and it, so, and it gives you this responsibility then to, once you acknowledge how fortunate you are and um, how kind of how blessed you are, you, you, you then have that responsibility to try to figure out, well, how can I, you know, improve other people's lives? And it sounds like that's what you're doing in Haiti. Um, so you guys have procured some land and an orphanage or like, what are your efforts there? Yeah. So Haiti's just gotten worse. Um, COVID, you know, really, really affected, really impacted a lot of the third world countries. And, um, you know, it was bad for us here, but it was really bad for them there. Um, so they've gone even more downhill, the president got assassinated and the new president took over. And then it turned out that the president took over was actually the one that assassinated the old president. So there, now there's like no government there right now. So the gangs just took over the whole country and there's no military force in Haiti that can now take it back. So it's like Haiti is just ran by the gangs. Have, have you ever heard this uh, expression that trust is the ultimate currency? It's kind of obscure. I haven't, I haven't but I like that. I, I like it too, because I think it just shows like when you have corruption, it does create poverty because nobody like instead of just like tr doing a fair trade and trusting that the other person is treating you fairly, you have to spend all of this time, energy and effort to double check everything and make sure that like you're not getting screwed and this is a good deal or whatever. Absolutely. And the more yeah. people can trust each other, the more wealthy I think a society uh, can become. And it's a really strong incentive to try to root out corruption. It's like, let's all get richer. Let's all just right. literally enjoy more wealth. And that can be time, opportunity, or, you know, money. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that explains a lot about what has happened in Haiti is there's been so much desperation with poverty for so long that it spread more and more corruption because people are yeah. so desperate to get what they can just for themselves and their family. Because, you know, yeah. like any of us, you know, we haven't been in that situation really. But you think about it, like if you're with your family and they're not going to be able to eat, what are you going to do to get them food? You know, so it and you're not questioning anything higher level. You're not thinking right. of how do I start a business or what, you know, even stoicism. You're not going to think about stoicism if you're starving for sure. Yeah. All you're but thinking about is how am I going to elevate yourself? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what yeah, are the stoic really... practices that have kind of helped you the most? Yeah, I think really just thinking about, um, you know, so I was raised Christian and, um, it, it, and just over my last 40 years, I've more so just tried to think about each religion was so confident in their religion being right. And to me, like, as I met more Buddhists and Islamic people and Mormons and everything, it's just like, all these people are absolutely confident sure. that they've yes. found the right thing. How can everyone be absolutely confident that they found the right religion and the other ones are wrong? 
How can, exactly. it, how can that be? And to me, it really kind of just brought me to a place where I'm not going to worry about that. If, if people need that in their lives, then I think that's great if it helps them be better people. But for me, I want to concentrate on being as good of a person as I can be while I'm here. And how big of an impact can I make while I'm here? Well, you know, if there's people that need, that have massive needs, I'm going to try and fill those. And if there's people that are struggling, you know, with, uh, with their prof professional lives, that's where my podcast came in. It's like, I was a struggling corporate guy, just lost and like not feeling fulfilled and overworked. And, and I was able to find entrepreneurship and, um, you know, through happenstance. And I don't want other people to have to find it through happenstance. So that's why we started Find Your Freedom is as an opportunity, a podcast to give resources and inspirational stories to people to say like, oh, this is possible. Here's paths that people have done and been successful. That's just like me. I can do it. So, that, so that's where the, the podcast came I love that name, in. by the way. Thank Find you. Your Freedom is such a great name. And also, obviously, you have, if you've been able to intentionally dedicate your life to family for the last five years. Um, so what what do you do with your freedom? You, uh, I know you're into fitness uh, and, and stoicism. Like, let's talk a little bit about that stuff. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think, fit, you know, healthy body, healthy mind. Like, I think there's so much um, uh, that goes into that. I think a lot of people don't, um, you know, don't put any effort into taking care of their body because they're working so hard at work. You know, if they work in too mm -hmm. many hours, you come home too tired, then you don't have time to go to the gym. You don't have time to do any exercise. You don't have time to, you know, think about those things. And I totally get it. So I've been fortunate with my, with my freedom to be able to dedicate more time to exercise. And that's really helped me, you know, feel like I'm more mentally stable, more mentally strong. Um, so, so I just turned 40 this year and I was like, I'm going to try my first, um, sprint triathlon. So it's the three mile run, quarter mile swim, 10 mile bike ride, um, back to back. So I, I just started training for it and, um, and it really ended up being easier than I expected because I'd been, you know, I'd been doing some training for it. And to me, it was like a cool, like little stamp, a little bow on my 40th, just like, all right, like you're still taking care of yourself. You're in a great position. And it was like, God, I'm so like, I just feel like so fortunate, fortunate that I was able to be raised in a way that I had a real strong work ethic that I learned from my dad and my mom. And I just feel so fortunate that put me in a position to grind out my twenties. And then when, when I was good, when I was finally good at doing something, then the opportunities came towards me. And, um, yeah, so, so I wake up, I usually get my girls ready for school with my wife. My wife takes them off to school. I do my emails real quick. I go to the beach. I live in, New in Costa Mesa. I go down to Newport Beach, which is three miles away. I run on the beach for three miles. I do push-ups, pull-ups, some circuit training, like on the, oh, yeah. on the marina side. Then I grab a coffee. I try and read um, like meditations. The, um, you do all that pre-coffee. Yeah, well, I do, I do two cups of coffee in the morning while I'm getting my girls ready. Then I get my latte at Same. the beach. Um, so I try and do this like four days a week usually. Um, and then I come home and then I'll kind of knock out some more things while the girls are at school. And then I try and be done with my day by the time the girls get home. But, um, between uh, managing Supergenics, which is a dietary supplement company, um, managing better together, which is the nonprofit and now, uh, find your freedom, which is the podcast. It really has become kind of like, wow, I'm back to being fully busy again. Like now that the girls are back in school, the plan is coming to fruition and it feels really good to be like putting myself out there. Like. I don't know about you, but when I started the podcast, it was so outside of my comfort zone. Like I'm not oh, yeah. a podcast guy. I'm not a social media guy. I'm not a get in front of the camera, camera type of guy, but I really like talk to my ho my, my co-host, my best friend from the podcast and try to talk him okay. into it. I was like, dude, we can really impact a lot of people's lives and we can leave resources for people to utilize, to give them inspiration, to live better lives. Like let's do this thing. And it's been like a cool thing to see it come alive. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I love the context of like, first you have to earn your freedom and then you have to intentionally decide how you're going to use it. And it sounds like uh, one of the ways that you use it is to practice this healthy uh, body, healthy mind. There's this quote from Socrates that I love um, that says, no man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which he is capable of. Wow. And I think about that, I think about that, uh, in my own training and in my own kind of like 
uh, desire to really just see what, what are the limits? You know, like you're this age, you have this opportunity, what can be done? And I think we, we have a lot of opportunity. And it's another reason why I think people should at least strive to be entrepreneurs in some right, in some fashion in their life. And there's so much you can gain from a corporate job and, and that corporate world. But even within that, just having the attitude of like, I'm going to go and try to build and create and explore. Um, I love that. What was, I was curious, freeing. what was the catalyst for you to get into running? Because I know when we knew each other 10 years ago, I don't think you were exercising a ton. Like what was the what paradigm shift? Because you're like no, no, running no. every day. It's like yeah, these such days, a huge, these that's days. such a huge discipline to do that. Um, it's getting easier the longer I do it, but, um, yeah, my fitness really came around, oh man, it was almost like 10 years ago. Yeah. It was around the time we met. Um, it was around the increase days, maybe two years, three years after that. And at the time I was kind of like approaching 30 years old and I was like, oh my God, I am not going to be young forever. Like I'm going to age, I'm going to wither and I'm going to die. That's not great. And so I was obsessed with all these ideas of like, how do I basically like preserve myself? And one of them was like, um, this real, like awakening that aging is not a natural process. It is obviously, but I started to see it more as a disease to combat. And so how do you combat the disease of aging? Uh, well, it's basically diet, sleep, and exercise. That's right. it. Yeah. And those are the hard things. And I think it's really a struggle for entrepreneurs who pour themselves into their work and they just have nothing left for themselves. But really, I think if they were to take some portion of their willpower that they dedicate to that to their work and instead allocate that to their physical well-being, they'd find they actually have more capacity, more energy. And, yeah. and so it sounds like we're aligned aligned there. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, little just doing a little bit every day and using that as your start, right? Kind of that atomic yeah. habits type of thing. Like just do enough yes. to get yourself started and you can build off of that. You don't have to go work out an hour a day. Get started and do it and feel the benefits and that can be your 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 food, your drive to keep going and doing it more. And but dude, getting so up to like kind of six your... miles a day, geez. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I, that's not every day. Some, I, some days I push it. You know, just some days you wake up and you're feeling it and the sun's <sighs> shining and your legs are fresh. And But I try to do uh, about 20 minutes a day, which really, it's not that big of a time commitment. And what I would say to myself 10 years ago is everyone can walk for 20 minutes. Everyone. And like, you know, just start walking. It was like when I tried to do my first pull-up. No chance. No chance right. I'm going to do a pull-up. You have to like first do a negative and, you know, you work your way up to these things. So what was your training like for this triathlon and what is a sprint triathlon? Yeah. So, so it's kind of like the bare minimums triathlon. It's kind of like they call it the starter triathlon because, um, the real triathlons are so like, we were just talking about atomic habits, like a real triathlon is like so far above what I think I'd be able to do. Um, but I was already running at the beach. And then I thought, you know what, I can, I live a few miles away. So I just took the long way to the beach on a safer road. And that's five miles there, five miles back. So I'm already getting a 10 mile bike ride in a couple times a week now. And then I was like, I'm already a decent swimmer. Like, let me see how I, so I just started jumping in the marina side of the ocean, started doing like 20 minutes of swimming. I was like, wow, like this makes my body feel great. A, running a lot can be really hard on your body. And I was running, you know, three miles a day every day. So I was like, all right, now I'm breaking it up. I'm biking and I'm swimming. My body's actually feeling better. My, my legs aren't hurting at all. And I'm getting more like overall exercise. I'm loving this. So I was like, yeah, this is something I want to do every year. So it's like, you know, like we talked about, you kind of make a goal and then you just like find your path to get there and just stay disciplined. Um, so yeah, so I did, uh, running three days a week, biking twice a week and swimming once a week for maybe like two months leading up to it, but I already built up a, a, a good amount of, um, running endurance before that. So really I was just adding the other two and it was, and it was just like, it was awesome. It felt great crossing the finish line. And I think it's going to be like an annual thing I'm going to do every year now, because I think it, it gives me a little bit more motivation to stay on top of things. Cause man, when you take off like a few weeks, it's amazing how fast you drop, how fast oh, yeah. your body just, just, just loses it. So yeah, so that's kind of my that's motivation. I'm a, big, on I'm a big fan of uh, doing things every single day, even if you're just like 
just barely, you know, not, you should never barely put in the effort, but just doing the minimum to check off the box, at, yeah. at least to yourself, according to whatever that, that means for yourself you know, you maintain that habit that way. And then I also think it's really important to have like these events. I, I, I need to be better at this where you just know that I'm going to do this event at this time and that's what I'm preparing for. And then it's like when you're thinking of traveling or you're thinking of like, you know, all of the things that you do in your life, it's all baked and built around that event, which is like, right. uh, you know, a stake in the ground. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. I th I, yeah. It's been a real good motivator for me. What are you working towards for your running? Are you trying to get down to a certain mile speed or something? Actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm already there if I, if I was to try it. Uh, one of my goals was to be able to run a six-minute mile, and I can hold a 6.30 pace at, like, my third and fourth and fifth mile. And so I'm sure that if Damn. I started fresh, I could be at a six-mile. But, you know, one of my goals is just to get to a place in life where through i'm hoping actually through podcasting i can get this because like you could just try to buy trainers and you can try to buy coaches and all that I, i've tried that stuff in the past but i've never been able to find something that like works for me but i would love to find like a partner in fitness that can analyze everything and be like here's the mistakes that you're making on your form you need to like lift your leg higher or like have less ground contact time or whatever it is um so i'm hoping that the longer i'm in the game the longer i'm doing it the more I'll be breaking into like higher tiers of people that are super serious about it and super knowledge about it, knowledgeable about it. And then they can kind of fill those gaps that I have. I love um, that. But I don't, I, I, I should like come up with like, you know, run a, a half marathon or, or those kind of things, because I do think that those credits really help like, you know, put a bow on things. And even if like, you know, they're not always the, the highest form or highest achievement. It still really matters because it's like still a credential and yep. those credentials, you need to, you need to like make sure that you're getting those and that you're getting credit for your work somehow. And I think a good way to do that is by, um, having those events. Yeah. It's important to build out your resume. I think that's one of the yeah. like more important things that my dad taught me early on is, um, you know, you really just want to accomplish things because it makes you, you know, it makes you feel good. And then it helps you, uh, push forward for the, for, for the future. And I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons I was able to be so successful so early in hotels is I was, you know, I was in Starwood Marriott and I was, you know, at a college 23, 24, and I was going to open these hotels with 45 year olds. And I was this 25 year old looking around the room and if you don't feel like you should be there, then you're not going to be there. So I really yeah. kind of use that, use, use those accolades to try to build myself and be like, I do belong to be here. I'm better than these guys that are around me. And I get the team more excited than they do. I have these benefits of being younger and, you know, in with them. And if you don't, you know, it, it I don't like that fake it till you make it line anymore. Yep, like I used yep. to kind of, <laughs> I used to kind of roll with that, but it, but there, there is some truth to it for sure. Like, I probably shouldn't have been there because they had much more experience than I could, uh, than I had at the time, but I was more passionate and I was giving more effort. So I was able to be there and then it, it ended up That's working out better for the me. Gap. Exactly. Just to address the fake it till you make it, uh, th I, th I see there's two sides of it. When you're just a young buck and you're starting out, you haven't had the opportunities that everyone else has had. And I think it was, there was some philosopher that said something to the effect of everyone starts out as an amateur and they basically just have to do what other people have done and kind of like try it out and evolve their style. And what makes an artist is they kind of steal that style and make it their own. Mm -hmm. And I think that applies to everything, business and entrepreneurship. So there is an element of just acknowledging that um, you're going to have to like push yourself outside of your comfort zone in the, in the beginning. But after you've done that enough times, I then think it's important to transfer to the other side you know alex hermosi mm -mm. oh yeah yeah no he, absolutely he's an entrepreneur yeah yeah mm -hmm. um so he has a quote that i like um that's something to the effect of um you don't get confidence by shouting affirmations into the mirror that's kind of the fake it till you make it you mm -hmm. get confidence by having an undeniable list of credentials even yourself like i used to be this way now i'm that way um i i couldn't do this triathlon now i can and 
those kind of things are the root of confidence. Another quote that's coming to mind from Carl Jung is that um, the only people that have a true right to self-confidence are the people that have faced the challenges and truly overcome them. And that can be starting a business or overhauling your fitness. Um, I love that. You got to really know that you did it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think it's, I think what a lot of people when they're starting out, you know, this goes right in line with what you're saying is they try and be original from the outset and they try and blaze their own trail without, um, without being there, you know, yet. I think that if you, if you don't reinvent the wheel, almost all of my businesses was like, wow, that's a really cool path. That's a really cool way they marketed. That's a really cool concept. And I, and I thought, well, I, you know what, I think this could work with that and utilizing some of their learnings and some of the things they did really well, then fit into, you know, what my businesses had done. You know, I, I modeled my nonprofit after a, a different nonprofit and, you know, you just said Hermosi. Yeah. He actually is one of the people that we initially looked at, um, for the podcast as like, yeah, I love this concept, but we have such a different spin that we feel is more dynamic and original for us. And we think we can add value in this way. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, you know, fake it till you make it, but also just find, you know, use someone else's wheel yes. until you're able to carve it into your own. But it's such a, it's such a harder barrier of entry to, to be completely original on these ideas. So, well, yeah, and I it's probably not like your new idea is probably not the right idea. Like your elaboration <laughs> of a great idea might be the right idea. It's kind of right. just the idea of standing on the shoulders of giants or like, you know, or Carl Sagan, if you want to invent the, if you want to bake an apple pie from scratch, first invent the universe. You know, we, not, nobody has done anything on their own. We are all beneficiaries of everyone that came before. Right. And I think that's an important thing. So who would you say that has most influenced you in your, in your businesses, mentorship? Um, like who is, who, who have, who's been your guides, I guess. I think um, most influential for me was my business partner in the hotel management company um, for two reasons. First, because he was like my first real professional mentor. When I was in college, um, you know, he gave me my first job and he was the one that kind of showed me like, be great and do this really well at the front desk, you know, which is like, it's a very basic thing, checking people in, doing, you know, reservation stuff. But if you be, get good at that, you get the opportunity to do the next thing. If you get good at that, you get the opportunity to do the next thing. So it was like in college, I was like front desk, front desk manager, housekeeping manager, marketing manager, director of sales and marketing, and then GM. By the time I graduated the hotel, I knew how to do everything in the hotel. And he showed me like, if you do these things well, if you excel, you get onto the next challenge and you get more opportunities. And I think that really like set me up the dominoes. He set up the dominoes for me to be successful. And then that transitioned over to Starwood. So his name's Gene Segita, and he's definitely someone that I, um, that I idolize as like a, a really good person. And the second reason is because he just really has this philosophical side, um, that, that I've loved. Um, he's Japanese and he really has a lot of these like, Eastern concepts that have really helped, um, kind of guide my early years, um, professionally. And, um, and I just love the way that he lives his life, trying to be accepting of all people, trying to be kind to all people, having integrity in everything that you do. Like, these are like such critical things that are like, that are just not discussed enough. And they're so important in business and in your personal life to be known as a person of integrity and that yes. you know, like we're talking about trust and all these other things like in partnerships, in, um, in all these things that you do in friendships, like it, yeah. if you That's don't special. have these things, then they're not going to be real friendships because you're going to have people that aren't always trusting you and all these things. So, um, so probably Gene is and the number depth, one. That, oh yeah. I don't, I don't want to interrupt your training. No, that was there. it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just saying like, look at the depth of your own relationships. I mean, I can't agree with everything you said more, but, um, like with uh, Supergenics, you're on year 12 of working with these partners. Couldn't have happened if you guys didn't trust and value each other. And that Absolutely. those relationships compound and accumulate in the same way that money that's well invested does. And that should, I think, be a goal of any young entrepreneur is to find people that they're going to partner, partner with, not for five years, for 50 years. I think it was Naval that said something like that, that like, if you're not going to work with somebody in five years, you shouldn't work with them at all or no, like for your whole life. Yeah. And I think it goes back to just the idea of 
the um, sure there's compounding effects in a network and all this stuff, but like really what makes people happy, I think is relationships and the depth and quality of your relationships. And uh, that's something that you've cultivated in your family and that you prioritized yeah. and, and knew that like you have this window of time, this five year period before your kids go off to school and, and start becoming people of them of their own, where even if they don't remember all that, you're going to remember all that and for the rest of your life. And when they're 30 and you're 80, you're going to have those memories. And I yeah. think that's a very um, forward thinking approach to to lifestyle design. Yeah. Um, and then while you were talking about that, the other really huge mentor that I probably don't even even more subconsciously since he passed away when I was younger, but my grandpa was such a giving person, like he lived his life to help people. If he was driving down the street and he saw, you know, someone at the bus stop that, you know, looked like they needed help, he would just pull over and say like, where do you need to ride to? He would go deliver food to people in need and um, he wouldn't talk about it. He would just do it. And over my early years, I would see him doing these things. And I would think, talk about living the life of a good person, like not talking about it, not whatever, but everyone knows and sees what he's doing. And he's just known as someone that helps people in need. And I couldn't think of like a better legacy to have than to just pass away and be known as someone that had a heart for people who needed help and to go out and do those things. And I think like, you know, now as we're talking about, it, it's like, that was super impactful for me that my grandpa did those things sometimes at the sacrifice of his family. Um, um, so there's always like a line there, but like overall, like better to be on the side of like being overly generous <laughs> and, um, and benevolent. Um, so, so I think that would be another huge impact on my life to try and strive to have a legacy of being known as someone that helped people who needed help. While you were saying that, the idea of service was coming to my mind and how it's so easy to get pulled into this narcissistic world. I am the world's biggest narcissist. I'll be the first to admit it. And I think it's natural to be a narcissist in this world of social media where you're like, right. look at me, look at these posts. Like, here's the things I'm doing. But That's like crazy. when you get out of your own head and you start like looking at other people, like the, the or, building an orphanage in Haiti or you know, helping somebody in your local community, all of that really does, if you're doing it in the right spirit, get you out of your own head. And it really, it, it, it's a form of like helping yourself, you know, service really does kind of help yourself in that way. Yeah. One of the things so, my dad always said was the best way to build esteem is to do esteemable acts. So if you're not yeah. feeling great about yourself, like go help someone, you're going to feel fucking great about yourself after yeah. you go help someone. So, you know, almost in like a selfish way, if you're not, if you're not doing good, if you're feeling like you're not doing great, go help people. There's nothing that helps you feel, feel better than helping people. Um, so I, and think, I wonder why I more people huge. don't have that attitude. I mean, it takes time and energy and effort and that's the thing. It, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and just that's, like the and that's why you have to find your freedom. You know, you have yeah. to build a lifestyle. Um, and then you have to imagine a lifestyle that you want. And then you have to do the necessary steps to actually um, get that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a hard barrier. And that's one of the things that I hope to expand in the nonprofit, not just to be, uh, you know, the end game will be to help um, our orphanage in Haiti. But, um, you know, I hope locally um, with my kids every few months, we go to Costco buy socks and snacks and waters and things. And we put them in the girls, buy the stuff and put it into a little kit. And then when we see homeless people, we just have this box in the car of these kits. And the, my, my five-year-old say like, Oh daddy, one of our friends is sleeping on the street. So we'll pull over and we'll get out and just give him the little kit. And it's a very small thing, but, um, I think it kind of plants the seed in my children. I hope to minds, have that yeah. same type of thing. And I would love to expand that with, uh, the other you know children in our friend group and and in the neighborhood to just be like let's just do these small things um to just be helping people and kind of helping people get on that track of like oh yeah let's go do something if i have these kits in my car i can always give it to them when i see homeless people and stuff like that so trying to just keep and it keep the ball rolling and it well keeping that ball rolling it's like it's such a practice the charity is its own form of work just like travel you know travel charity like people like idolize these things. It's like, Oh, I would love to be able to do that. Well, it's like hard work, you know? Right. And the first time you try something, you're not going to be great at it. So like right. maybe you gift that to the wrong person. Like that was the one who really needed it or whatever. Right. And, um, but the more that you build that into your lifestyle and I, and I love the idea of just like, 
having something ready to like a little package that you can just hand out to anyone. Um, that's a really cool idea. And, and building that level of service into your life and into your habits, um, I think is, would yield just such a great like mindset and such a great, um, way you think about yourself and feel about your, your contributions to the world. Yeah. 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 We, and that's the selfish know, part of charity. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I feel great about that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting thing on that selfish point. Um, one of, uh, one of my, uh, friends who's, who I'm trying to mentor, um, he sent me a link to this YouTube star or YouTube TikTok guy that was filming himself going out to a homeless person and giving them money to help change their life on something that they wanted to do. And I, and I had such like a mixed reaction to it. I was curious what your thought was. So filming, you know, going out and filming yourself, becoming successful, giving money to people, you're obviously making a positive impact in their life. Um, but you're also kind of, you know, without asking kind of going and videoing these people. I was curious what your take on that as we kind of move into this more social media world that seems to be ever growing. I think it's really hard to do things out of a pure spirit out of just like the intention to only serve. But also the other half of that is like things need to be sustainable. If you want right. to give money away, you have to have a way to generate it. And yeah, so that was the rebuttal. That was the rebuttal my friend had to me. He's like, dude, he's giving more and more money away because he's making a ton of money on these TikTok videos. I'm like, that's a good point. Like you can't really argue about it. And I'm not getting a lot of money for my nonprofit currently. Like I don't do a ton of marketing for it. Like it's mostly just like a passion project that I'm hoping will organically grow. But it's just like, man, he's making, a, you know, a bigger impact, you know, with, with what he's doing. So, so it's one of those things that, you know, it's got a little bit of a dichotomy with it. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't well, love and there, all I of mean, it. it gets really dicey anytime it starts getting into like, uh, a fame element or whatever, where you're trying to like accrue views and like get your name out there. The way I see it these days though, is like fame has not even fame, celebrity, whatever you want to call it, influence maybe mm. it was so concentrated for all of time in history in the Kings and the court of the King and like then the Dukes and the whatever. And then it was the politicians and then it became like the actors and the blah, blah, blah. Now we know that it's like that, influence is actually better to be distributed just like power um it's better if it's distributed across a wide base but the question becomes like why do you want that is it fueling your narcissism or are you you know i don't know like i think about this stuff for myself i i talk right. to a lot of comics on my podcast and one of the questions i always ask is like why are we trying to get on a stage and tell people what we think Right. You know, like I want to be on the light with my voice amplified and I'm going to tell you what I think. And yeah, what is the main, what little... is the main response? What is the, the theme? Is it just the rush? Oh, of they being stub their toe stage? when they're three years old and now the world <laughs> owes them everything. It's yes. like, yeah, I mean, there's the rush of being on stage and, and there's like a, a big thing that a lot of people talk about is the immediate energy in the room. And right. man, it is something like I'm sure you get the same thing at Toastmasters or if you go and speak at a conference. Whatever. For me, it's for like, me, it's karaoke. I get that. Karaoke, karaoke is a great example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're in front of 30 people and you're putting yourself out there, I mean, depends Dude, all, on how all three, they are. All three of the people that watch my karaoke when I go to the bar, man, they are loving it. <laughs> They're loving it. But all yeah, three like, people. Um, yeah, is your is your putting yourself out there um, and getting that immediate feedback? It does create this really compelling energy. And it almost is like, uh, you know, it's not like a hit of a drug, but there's something that you want to uh, seek it again. But then not everybody does it. And so right. it's I guess it's not, you know, something that everyone is interested in. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, like for for our, our Find Your Freedom podcast, I can tell you, we you know, we put it out on um, Spotify and Apple and YouTube. And I can tell you when you when you look at it weekly and you look at the performance, what it has done for me is I, I look and I think fuck man like how can we provide better value and keep growing this like i want i don't want to just put content out there i want content to be out there that people will watch me like this is applicable and digestible yep. and i can yep. it, it can improve my life if i you know use these inspirational resources from these people 
like I, every week, like I have a spreadsheet that I go in with my um, host partners. Like I want to get better content. I want to make our questions yeah. better that we're pulling yeah. more quality information. That's more concise so that it, so that when people listen to it, it's like, Oh yeah. Like I love that. That's a gem. I want every episode to be like, Oh, that's like a gem. That is so, yes. that is so usable for me. And I know like for you, like the entertainment value as I've been watching yours, like there's so much like, laughter and joy and interesting topics in them and that seems to be like what your niche is is to be very topical and and i love yeah so I, yeah i love that so, the, the so far i mean i i think that these things become like a company it's a living organism and at first you're just trying to nurture it by giving it water and food as much as you can and then hopefully if you do all that right it takes on a life of its own but the biggest thing i agree is like thinking how do you provide value you don't want to just be like a, another voice screaming in the void you know like right. in on twitter or whatever you want to actually be able to um i don't know like everyone i do really believe has something to offer everyone and how do you get that out of that person right um and that's what i love what you're doing with your podcast is it is focused on entrepreneurs and showcasing like hey here are people that have figured it out in some degree and that you can use to maybe be a template or uh, otherwise just know. Sometimes we just have to know things are possible. Somebody runs a four-minute mile, never was done before. Now the next guy does it in a month just because they know it's possible. Yeah, I feel like that analogy is like I've heard that probably like five times in the last two days that form I was at the gym and I heard it twice from guys talking in the gym yesterday. It really is one of those things like who knew it was possible and then someone does it and now it's like it is possible. So the fear of going out on your own, you know, both twofold, whether you're younger and you just don't have a lot of experience and it's just fear because you don't know what you're doing or so that's kind of like the one half of our demographic. The other half is these people that are in corporate jobs that are unfulfilled and unhappy and they keep having this thought like there's more for me, there's more for me. Like there's so many people that really enjoy their jobs. They're fulfilled and they like it and it provides their family the resources they want. And our podcast is not for those people. It's for the ones that sit at their job and think, ah, oh, this sucks. I want something else. I want to do my own thing. I feel like I can do, I want to have equity in my own life. I want to, I want to be able to, with my own sweat, pay for my own vacations. Um, and, and there's a big risk to stepping off and doing that. So what we hope is to provide a little bit more of a roadmap for people that can say, oh, well, this person did this side hustle with very low risk that he got it going on the side while he was still working here. And then once he got some momentum, then he was able to scale it with full time. So there's, you know, so there's all these different roads. And that's what has been so crazy for me, like even just talking to you when we did, um, you know, when we got VC backing for our, for our startup, you know, it just is like there's so many different roads that people are able to find their freedom on. You know, we have um, in the next few weeks, like uh, a lady who started her own um, bikini brand. And now she has like over a million Instagram followers on her on her Beach Bunny brand. And, um, you know, we have a guy who started a, a multifamily real estate business. And I met him on my honeymoon eight years ago in Thailand hiking a volcano. And he said he was thinking of starting his own business. He was at a corporate job and we talked and I said, oh yeah, I have my own thing. I used to be corporate too. And, um, and I said, well, you, when you start your business, like, let me know, um, send me your first deal. So a few months later, he sends me his first deal and it looked really good. And I invested with him fast forward eight years later, this guy is now partnered with, um, Joe Fairless, who has the longest running um, real estate pod daily real estate podcast in the world. They ended up meeting up with each other and now they run, um, a, a multifamily real estate empire worth. They manage, I think it's $6 billion worth of real estate wow. in eight years. He did this. And it's just like, there's all these crazy stories. And then, you know, and then we talk with other people yeah. that, you know, started branding companies on Amazon and now they live like a totally free life. It's like so many crazy, unique stories. You know, and look at you, I, you work for I Snapchat, you, you have all these things and now you're doing stand up and have your own podcast and have the freedom to run fucking six miles every day. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing is like, it's important to showcase all these different roads that people take and like, and 
people might have varying degrees of success at whatever they try, but it's still just like important to show that here are these people that decided to make a change in their life and they were able to make that and, and, and just knowing that that's possible. Is They're a not big special. So, yeah, they're yeah, not nobody's special. special. Right. There's not yeah, like some like it. set apart group. Yeah, they're just the ones who did it. Exactly. And so what I think actually this that's the answer to the question I was going to ask, but to see if you have anything to add, what <laughs> would you say to like a new person, like a 20-year-old just out of college who's really doesn't want to go down the corporate road and is unsure what they want to do, but they know they want freedom. They know they think- want Autonomy. Yeah, I think that my uh, thought process on this is going to evolve as my experience with these entrepreneurs um, grows. But I think currently there's two roads, there's two paths. The one path, one of our guests said this phrase, which really stood out to me, it's get in the corridor. So it's called get in the corridor because you put yourself in a group where you're able to learn something and be around people that are experts in what you want to do. And they yes. teach you and they, you know, model you and you're able to become an expert. And then you, once you're in the corridor, then you can open the door and go do your own thing. So that's one path that I think a lot of people that I recommend, uh, that's probably the safer path. And then the other road I think is really kind of the balls to the wall road. It's just like, I'm just going to go start trying shit and I'm going to see what sticks. I'm just going to try a bunch of stuff and I'm going to throw it up on the wall. And the, you know, for the fresh out of the college kids that are, you know, not really wanting to do something else, you know, there's such a low barrier to entry on the influencer world and all these different things to be able to monetize that life now, um, that you can even do that on the side while you're getting your first job. But that's kind of like the other route is just like, I'm just going to go start trying things and learning things on my own. And you have to be really disciplined to take that road because that's going to take a lot of like self-education and really kind of grinding on your own without having like uh, specific mentors. You'll have YouTube mentors and, and, and influencer mentors. But I think those are like the two like common paths. There's obviously a huge variant in between. But those are, those and, are the and, two And maybe the best thing is to just know both of those approaches and do your best to do both the grind approach and the surround. I mean, you said it multiple times in, in this episode is you really, and this is like my whole life is based around this, is like find a way to surround yourself with people that are better than you yeah. somehow in yeah. any dimension. Because naturally through osmosis or whatever, you know, like however people Absolutely. relate to each other, you're going to improve, assuming Absolutely. that that's what you want. Absolutely. But the trick, improve. but the trick to that is if you surround yourself by people that are better than you, but you don't provide them any value, it's going yes. to be a short lived relationship. So exactly. you have to really think about yourself, like, how am I going to provide these people value? And I think you're kind of like me or you're, well, you're more skilled than me, but I mean, I always <laughs> thought like. I didn't know the value I was bringing. People saw the value I was bringing because I worked so hard to get these kind of, um, you know, like bringing people together to work well together, building a culture, you know, having and building organizations, um, you know, managing people to do jobs better than I would ever do them. Those are kind of like nuanced things that I wasn't able to really tangibly know about until I, until people were like, dude, you kill it. All this like stuff that, you know, isn't like common. And that's what the value I was bringing. Whereas other people just bring like real knowledge and expertise in programming and marketing or legal or finance and analyzing numbers. And like, there's so many different things you can become an expert in, but if you don't provide the value to these other people that are so good, like, like you just said, like my, people ask me why I've been successful in the few things that, that have worked out for me. It has a hundred percent been me partnering with people that were much smarter than me, um, that I was able to just use, you know, use their skill set, and I provided enough value that it made sense for them. And then it, and then it worked out, you know, it really is like very little on me and what my skill set is for sure. Dude, I think that's such a great way to concretize this episode and, um, tie it up in a bow is, is, um, the path to being an entrepreneur, you have all of these different roads, but just like with relationships and starting a business and all these different things, you need to find some real value. You need to find some way to provide a benefit to somebody. And then through that natural trades are going to happen that make everyone richer, everyone happier and everyone more fulfilled and hopefully everyone more free. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Find your freedom, baby.
<laughs> find your freedom. Find your freedom. So um, how, do, how do we find your show and how do we find our freedom? Yeah, so, um, so our show's called Find Your Freedom. We're on Apple and Spotify. Um, there's a couple shows with our name, um, unfortunately, but uh, you can look for our goofy cartoon logo. Um, I love the logo. <laughs> um, and then Better Together International is just at bettertogetherint.org. Um, and, um, and I, and I, I can tell you the most thing that you can, that you can do is just, uh, um, go do good things for people, go do something that will make yourself feel better today. If you see someone in need, open that door for them, hold that door for them, um, you know, pull out the chair for them, um, uh, f buy food for someone that's sitting outside that's hungry. That's my main thing that I would like to pass on to people. Jonathan, you've opened doors for me and given me these great gifts. So you're a walking example of that. And I just appreciate your time and coming on the show and sharing, sharing all this with us. Um, I, I do I really it. appreciate it. Thank you, man. Right, I really, thanks. really enjoyed this conversation. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys.